Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this morning uh, to the book of Jonah. And we're turning to Jonah chapter 4. And for those who are joining us this morning, we have been looking at uh, the book of Jonah together and uh, trying to understand uh, its purpose in uh, the canon of Scripture. Why uh, such a short uh, book uh, is included in God's Word and such a a small aspect, we might think, of Jonah's ministry uh, is highlighted uh, for the remembrance and the reflection of the people of God. But this morning we're turning to Jonah chapter 4 and... uh, reading the chapter as a whole. This is found on page 775. Let's turn back to chapter 3 and we'll read the the last verse. Uh, Chapter 3 at verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade until he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should, I, should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? When we started our uh, study of Jonah, we highlighted that the Bible does mention that Jonah had a ministry beyond what we read of to Nineveh. He had a ministry to the people of Israel. But Jonah's ministry to Nineveh stands out and is given particular attention. God had called Jonah to go to a foreign nation, the Assyrians, 
and to preach against the city of Nineveh, to tell them about the evil that they were committing. And you remember that Jonah initially uh, rejected that mission. He rejected that calling, and he tried to run away from God. Uh, He went down to Joppa, and then he tried to flee uh, by boat. Uh, But ultimately, God caused the storm to come up, and uh, Jonah was eventually cast into the deep when the sailors concluded that this was all happening because of him. Jonah was thrown into the deep waters, but before he perished, God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. And from the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed to God to deliver him. And God had mercy on Jonah. He delivered Jonah and caused the fish to vomit Jonah up, and he was back on the dry ground. But you remember that God wasn't done with Jonah. The book of Jonah wasn't just about a miracle of a great fish swallowing Jonah only for him to survive or to come back uh, from the depth. But the book of Jonah was teaching us something about God's purposes, that God has a purpose in mind that he will bring to pass, that his mercy will come to pass. And so in chapter 3, God tells Jonah again for the second time to go to Nineveh and to call out against that city the evil that it has done. And so Jonah did. Jonah preached against the city of Nineveh. He told them 40 days and the city of Nineveh would be overthrown. But something strange happened. It tells us that from the least of them to the great of them, that as a collective whole, which would have been just as rare then as it would be today, we're told that there was a united response in the city where the people took that message of a foreigner. They took that message of a prophet from Israel and they took it to heart. That they were convicted that there was integrity about what was being said. That what was coming against them was legitimate and that they had committed evil and that they were guilty before God. And so we were told that the the king of Nineveh issued a proclamation telling the people to fast, uh, to show outwardly their remorse, to show that they had taken heed to this instruction. But more than that, to turn inwardly from their evil actions, to turn from the evilness of their hands. And they were told, who knows? Because perhaps God will relent. Perhaps God won't judge us as he has said. And the, the basis of that hope really amounts to that they were warned. They were given this window of time. Why were they being given this window of time uh, to hear this message of judgment unless perhaps God would reconsider that judgment? And so the people were encouraged to turn from their evil ways and to look to God for mercy. And in the end we're told that God did relent. God did not bring judgment on the people of Nineveh, but he relented of the disaster that he said that he would do, and he did not do it. But this morning, as we're turning back to Jonah, we want to see that the book of Jonah is not just a book about showing that God's mercy extends outwardly, that God delights in showing his mercy to many. The book of Jonah is really confronting us with understanding that God's mercy is something to delight in. 
that, that it's something that is to be rejoiced in and not something to fight against. And so as we're turning to this last chapter, we want to see that because the Lord delights to show mercy to sinners, we ought to delight wherever God's mercy is displayed. We want to think about this last chapter in just a couple of thoughts. We want to think about the Lord's mercy despised and then the Lord's mercy defended. At the beginning of the chapter, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. That word displeased is a word that otherwise is translated as evil. It's a word where you are making a judgment about something. You are assessing something as good or as wrong. And Jonah looked at this, what had happened to Nineveh. They were spared disaster. They were spared destruction. And Jonah looked at that and said, this is wrong. This is an evil that has happened. This is something that should not be. And so Jonah is upset by how things have turned out. He was exceedingly angry. But notice as well that Jonah prays to the Lord about this. This is not Jonah running off in frustration, uh, wanting nothing to do with God. This is Jonah bringing his complaint to God about his ways. And we have to remember that Jonah's not the only prophet who struggled with understanding the ways of God. There were other prophets who just as much struggled to make sense of what was God doing and why was he doing it this way. And so Jonah, with his anger, with his frustration, comes before God with his complaint. And you see how he complains. He says, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And it's only now that we begin to understand Jonah because Jonah's reasoning for not wanting to go to Nineveh was not simply about personal safety. It wasn't just that Jonah was nervous that going as a lone ranger into a foreign nation risked his own personal life. It wasn't even the personal shame that would come against him, how he could be ridiculed by calling out the evils of society at large, that as a lone voice, as a minority in another culture, that he could be scoffed at and looked down upon and ridiculed away. That wasn't really what Jonah was objecting to. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want Nineveh to be spared. He wanted Nineveh to get what it deserved. He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. And so he says, that's why I didn't want to go. I knew something about how you were going to deal with this situation. You were going to be merciful because that's how you deal with people. You are a God who shows mercy. You are a God who is slow to anger, who is abounding in steadfast love. Jonah's description of God here is quoting scripture. It's what God said about himself to the people of Israel. You remember before we said how the people of Israel themselves discovered this about God. That after entering into a covenant with the Lord in the book of Exodus... We're told how the people of Israel sinned, how they made a golden calf, 
And God was prepared to bring disaster on the people of Israel. They had broken covenant and he was going to judge them. Moses interceded on behalf of Israel. And so it tells us that God relented of the disaster that he said that he was going to do. And he did not do it. But then you go on and you read in those chapters and it tells us that God then revealed something to Moses. When Moses wanted to see the glory of God, God declared it by describing his character. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in richness of steadfast love. That's how God revealed himself. And now Jonah is quoting from that passage and saying, I know who you are. You're a God of mercy. And I didn't want your mercy to go to them. That's why I didn't go. That's why I didn't want to go. And so we're seeing something of Jonah's own uh, irritation with the ways of God. You'll notice something else about his prayer here as well. In verses 2 and 3, one of the main characteristics of his prayer is just how self-absorbed it is. Nine times in the original language, in verses 2 and 3, Jonah will use the word I or my. Everything comes back to how Jonah sees the situation. It's how Jonah's intuition of what's right and what's wrong that is ultimately prominent. And so he's, he's really stressing that it should be the way that Jonah wants things to be. And he's upset with God that he's not doing things the way that Jonah wants him to do them. And so he's angry. He's frustrated. He's exceedingly displeased with the Lord. And you read there in verse 4 that the Lord then comes to him and says, Do you do well to be angry? Sometimes parents uh, will confront their children. Uh, maybe you young people, you've had this experience where you do something. You, you react a certain way. And your parent will come up to you and say, Are, is what you're doing right? Is your behavior in this situation appropriate? Maybe it's a birthday party. Maybe you're seeing your sibling is getting presents. Maybe you're seeing that your sibling is getting a lot of attention. There's a lot of excitement that is being directed at that individual. But you look at the situation and you suddenly start to see resentment or anger, frustration boiling up within. Why do they get such nice things? Why is all this attention being directed at them? And your parent has to come up and say, is it right to be angry when we're celebrating the life of another individual? Is it, is it right to be resentful that another person receives good things? And, and your parent is trying to pull you out of the situation to look at it more objectively, to be able to reflect and to evaluate on your own behavior, your own attitude. Does this, is this fitting for what's actually happening? Jonah here is angry that disaster did not come on the Ninevites. And God asks, is that appropriate? Should we be angry that life has been spared? Should we be angry when mercy is shown? And so here we see the Lord's compassion, the Lord's mercy is something that is despised by a prophet of God. How does that happen? 
It's actually showing us something twisted about the human nature. That we're not naturally inclined towards celebrating mercy. That we're not naturally drawn to it or in celebrating it. Even within the people of God. Even the community of God's people can revert to a mindset of get what they deserve mindset. And we see that here happening in Jonah. Why was it that Jonah's attitude was at such odds with God's purposes? Part of the reason has to be is that Jonah has forgotten something about himself. Jonah has forgotten something about his own need of mercy. Jay Sklar makes the point that those who forget their need of mercy are the quickest to withhold it from others. When I don't think I need mercy, then I'm not going to be inclined to seeing mercy extended to others. I will be thinking strictly in terms of what they deserve. But more than that, there can be a disconnect even when we think about mercy. Because people can start to think about, I received mercy, I received help, but I was worthy of that help. And there can be this separation that starts to form when we think of one person receives mercy because they deserved it, but those people don't deserve it. And so it shouldn't be given to them. And that seems to be something that's creeping into Jonah here, where he's making a a disconnect, a separation From an understanding that God is a God of mercy, he showed mercy to the people of Israel in the past. He even showed mercy to Jonah, delivering him from the fish. But he shouldn't show mercy to these Ninevites. That's out of bounds. And so something has been disconnected or forgotten uh, in Jonah's own understanding uh, of not wanting to see it as appropriate Uh, in seeing God's mercy extend to others in their sin. So even those of us who talk about, about God's mercy can lose sight of it, and we can revert to wanting people to get what they deserve. So we should ask ourselves, do we want those who we know, who remain in unbelief, to come to know God's mercy? Or do we harbor an attitude a spirit of they will get what they deserve. The way that we answer that question might reflect and reveal something of our own appreciation of mercy towards us. Have we received mercy from God? Did we deserve it ourselves? What does God's mercy mean? Jonah received mercy for his rebellion. God forgave him of his sins and he was saved. The same is true for every person who comes to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus. They have received mercy in Christ, but they should understand that it was not because they were more worthy of mercy, but because of God's grace. So Jonah's attitude here seems to be at odds with God because he's forgotten something about himself. He didn't deserve mercy either. It also is because Jonah has forgotten something of his own mission. What was Jonah's mission? It was the same as what the people of Israel's was. 
Israel as a people were to be a light to the nations. They were to be a kingdom of priests interceding on behalf of the nations. They were to reflect the glory of God that the nations might come and behold the wondrous works of the Lord. Jonah's calling was to make known God's greatness to the nations. But Jonah didn't see it that way. Jonah's idea of going to Nineveh was still self-interested. It wasn't actually concerned about the purposes of God, about the mission of God towards the nations. So Jonah had forgotten something about himself. He had forgotten something about his mission. He had forgotten something about the situation. Jonah wanted disaster to strike. But Jonah wasn't really grappling with what that entails. Jonah wasn't really thinking it through what judgment means. He was simply thinking about removing of a problem. And so Jonah shows a hardness of heart that actually delights in destruction and despises the protection of life. This is why there's an odds between God and his servant. Because the servant, Jonah, is not thinking about the situation right. He's not thinking about his calling right. He's not thinking about his own self right. And so he is frustrated and displeased with God. And he expresses that by saying, I'd rather die. I don't want to be in a world where the Ninevites are spared. I don't want to live in a world where the enemies of Israel come to discover God's mercy. But the Lord's compassion is not only despised in this chapter, it is also something that is defended. After the Lord challenges Jonah's attitude by saying, do you do well to be angry? The rest of the chapter is really an object lesson where the Lord is teaching Jonah about how to think through the situation rightly. It tells us in verse 5 that Jonah went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and he made a booth for himself there to see what would happen to the city. Uh, Perhaps disaster might still come. Maybe God will still judge them in the end. And so Jonah's kind of holding on to this hope that maybe uh, their fate is still sealed. And so he, he sets up a booth. He sets up a shelter. Now, timber is uh, rare in Mesopotamia, just as it is today, so it was back then. So his shelter is not made out of wood. It would have been made out of the common materials nearby, probably stone and clay. His roof probably with brushes uh, or whatever he could find nearby. But here he is sitting in the heat of the Middle Eastern sun, and he is trying to find shade while he watches to see if another Uh, if the city of Nineveh is destroyed in the end. But it tells us that as he is there, the Lord decided to appoint a plant to grow up. A plant that would protect Jonah, that would give him relief from the discomfort of the heat of the sun. And so this plant uh, gives him shade over his head and it saved him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Uh, the book makes plain here that this is an object lesson to teach Jonah about God's mercy. 
At the end of chapter 3, the Ninevites were uh, rescued from their discomfort. Uh, Jonah was displeased. But we're told that uh, here uh, how Jonah's uh, head is now rescued from discomfort. But the point is, is that he experienced the same thing as the Ninevites, but he responds in the opposite way. He was angry when they received mercy, but he was exceedingly glad when he was the one who received mercy. When the Ninevites were saved from their raw, from their disaster, from their evil, Jonah was angry. When he was saved from his discomfort, it says Jonah was exceedingly glad. And a good way for us to evaluate our own hearts, if we, if we are angry when someone else receives something that we delight in when it applies to ourselves, then we are not loving our neighbors as we ought to. There is a, a hypocrisy here in Jonah. He is not able to delight when the Ninevites are relieved of their discomfort. But he is able to be exceedingly glad when he is relieved of his own discomfort. The the, the two are set side by side. But then the Lord, in order to teach this lesson to Jonah, appoints a worm to attack the plant in order to experience the discomfort of God's mercy being removed. The shade uh, is gone, an east wind comes upon him, and the sun beats down on Jonah so that he is faint. Again, now Jonah wants to die. Earlier he wanted to die because he didn't want to live in a world where the Ninevites were spared. Now he doesn't want to live in a world where his own disaster, his own discomfort is not relieved. Again, there's an a, a inconsistency in Jonah. But the Lord was confronting Jonah here about his own heart. And he asks him whether he does well to be angry for the plant. Jonah was saying, yes, he was angry, angry enough to die. He was so concerned about this plant that had provided him with comfort, that had provided him with relief. But Jonah pitied a plant that he did not create or care for. He pitied a plant that would last only a short time. He pitied a plant that at the end of the day was only a plant. But God makes plain, God should pity the Ninevites because they are a people that he has created. They are a people that he cares for. They are a people who have been written in for history to have an eternal destiny. They are a people who number 120,000. Even the fact that there is much cattle is grounds to spare the city. And so this, this whole narrative is really pressing Jonah to see, is it not right for God to show mercy to those that he creates, to those to whom he cares for, to those who were created for fellowship with God, for those who have in eternal destiny. He's challenging Jonah about the appropriateness of his actions. People that did not know their left hand from their right. These people were living in ignorance. They needed someone to teach them. They needed someone to lead them to the truth. They needed someone to guide them. And living in ignorance of God, they needed to learn about God and his mercy. 
Their need was great because they did not know the truth. The experience of having no mercy from God is a terrible fate. And they also had to realize their situation matched Jonah's. So the Lord challenges uh, Jonah there at the end of this book, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God's mercy is directed towards these people. And Jonah needs to come to realize not only that God is merciful, but that's a good thing. Because Jonah's depending on the same mercy himself. Because to live without the mercy of God is disastrous. The judgment of God is no light thing to simply brush off. It is a terrible thing. Jonah dreaded being under the heat of the sun. But God's judgment is real. And to live in God's judgment is something that no one should want on another. We should long for God's mercy to prevail and to extend to the nations. And recognizing uh, the commonality between us should cause sympathy even in the people of God. Not only does God reveal himself as a God of compassion, but as we were singing there earlier, God's kingdom is described as merciful. The king of God's kingdom is described as a God who takes care on the poor and the needy, on those who are weak. He shows his compassion. We read there in Matthew's gospel that when Jesus came into this world, he spoke to the people in the synagogues and in the villages. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He was helping people understand who didn't know their left hand from their right about the mercy of God. He was showing them the mercy of God. But then it says that when he looked at the people, he saw he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. But then Jesus goes further than that because he says, pray that this is something of God's purpose to delight him. That this is not something Peter is to do clenching his fists and grinding his teeth. But he's to rejoice where Jonah despised it. Peter is to celebrate God's mercy as it comes to the house of Cornelius. He's to celebrate when he sees those who were living in darkness come to know the mercy of God. And so as we come to the end of this book, it ends with a question. Because really, the onus is now on the people of God to reflect. Is it not right that God shows mercy on those who don't know their left hand from their right? Should not we match the character and the heart of God towards those who are still in their sins? And so if you're a believer this morning, then you have to be asking yourself, do I understand that I stand in need of mercy just as any other person does? Do I understand the fate of not being under the mercy of God? Do I understand and rejoice in the advancement of God's purposes, the manifestation of God's grace? And if you have not yet come to trust in God, in the mercy of God in Christ, where is your hope ultimately with your sin? 
What do you do to revert to thinking about those who are worthy of being saved, thinking about some people as better than others, and failing to see that it is about the glory of God and the grace of God in the lives of individuals? Lord, we pray that uh, even as even as there was a, a concern for the city of Nineveh, we pray that we would be people who are concerned about the lives of those around us, that we would be people who seek to be faithful in the callings and the situations that you have placed us. And we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. Go before us and pardon us for Jesus' sake. Amen.